Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode, we have a homily for Sunday, January 30th, 2022, which is the fourth Sunday in the season of Epiphany. Let's begin our time together today with a reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Paul writes, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but if I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. The Word of the Lord. May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hi there, everybody, and welcome back. Ever since I was a kid, I've been fascinated with photography. When I was in high school, I was excited to learn that I could take an art credit specializing in photography. I rushed to sign up, imagining myself to be the next Ansel Adams or Annie Leibovitz. And then I spent the first few weeks doing nothing but theory. I didn't want to learn theory, I just wanted to get out there with a camera and take awesome pictures. I gradually came to realize that learning theory helped me because it made me a better photographer. Fast forward to a few years ago and my daughter expressed an interest in photography, and my understanding of theory also helped her develop her own skills. So all this theory paid off in the long run. I was reminded of this as I prepared for today's homily. Over the last two weeks, we've considered Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He encouraged them to stop bickering over who was the better Christian. Instead, he told them that each person should be using their gifts and abilities to build up the faith community. Last week's reading from Paul's letter closed with these words, but strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Strive for greater gifts. It may seem like a little throwaway line, 
but it actually has some pretty big significance. Let's not forget that Paul had been writing about some pretty amazing Christian practices. Things like the ability to speak in tongues, deeds of spiritual power, prophecy, and even the ability to heal the sick. Despite talking about all these supernatural abilities, Paul closed that portion of his letter by promising to show the Christians in Corinth a more excellent way. And that's where we pick up today. Paul says that he could have all kinds of powerful religious experiences, but those expressions would be utterly worthless if he didn't have love. Paul goes on to detail the attributes of the kind of love that he's talking about. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. These words have become the go-to text for Christian weddings. But, ironically, when Paul wrote them, he was not speaking specifically about marriage. Paul was simply trying to describe the way that we ought to behave as a Christian community. Paul describes this kind of love as the minimum standard for living together as a Christian community. Just as learning theory helps you be a better musician or artist, practicing the love that Paul describes allows us to become better Christians and to have better Christian communities. The Corinthians had been fighting over who was the better Christian, and honestly, that may not be the worst thing to compete for. But Paul taught them that they were basing their definition of best Christian on the wrong thing. Paul told them that they should be seeking to outdo each other in acts of love. Learning to see others and to love them as Christ loves them becomes the gold standard by which we ought to measure ourselves and our faith communities. But what does Paul's instructions to the Corinthians have to say to us 2,000 years later? First and foremost, Paul's treatise on love becomes the lens through which we see ourselves. Go through Paul's checklist and see how we do. Are we patient and kind people? Do we consider the needs of others as much as we consider our own? Are we irritable or resentful? Do we genuinely celebrate each other's strengths and successes without comparing them to our own? Don't worry, these are rhetorical questions, but speaking for myself, the answer is sometimes. Whenever I'm asked to officiate a wedding, I always meet with the couple three or four times beforehand. One of the things that I encourage them to consider is how they communicate with each other, not only when things are going well, but also when things are getting a little bit rough. I invite them to consider how they argue, because we all do, whether we're married or not. And I'm not just talking about romantic relationships either. When any relationship gets difficult, it's not always easy to remember what drew you to that person in the first place. 
When we disagree with others, are we still able to see them as people made in the image of God? The true measure of our love for another person is not taken when things are going well with that relationship, but rather when we're having difficulties in that relationship. How do we strive to show love and compassion to those with whom we disagree? Do we value people who have opinions that contradict our own? Elsewhere in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is quoted as saying, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. Jesus went on to say, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. This is the kind of radical lifestyle that both Paul and Jesus require of a truly Christian community. And these words are not simply for the friends that you and I know from church. Rather, our parish church is merely the starting place for this behavior. We are called to take this love beyond our walls, out into the community. Over the last three weeks, our lectionary readings have given us a little insight into Paul's relationship with the church in Corinth. We've had three successive readings that reveal the arc of Paul's arguments against the factions that were threatening to split that church. In the first reading, Paul clarified that the spiritual gifts that they had received were a gift from God, given for the building up of the faith community. He went on to say that the diversity of gifts are actually a sign of strength, not weakness. Because it's the diversity that allowed them to respond to a variety of needs, both within their community and beyond. Finally, today, we read Paul's argument that the real purpose of those gifts is that they ought to be a vehicle through which Christians express God's love for other people. We've all been given a variety of gifts, abilities, and aptitudes. As wonderful as they are, they become even more wonderful when we heed Paul's words and allow them to be an expression of God's love for humanity. Let's pray. Dear God, do not let us neglect your spirit or the gifts that you have given to each of us. Give us courage to use these gifts for your glory and not for our own. Help us see the good work that you have ready for us, and may we embrace that work with eagerness and joy. In Jesus' name, 